Welcome to our last Tuesday of the month book discussion. Just a couple of librarians talking about books we think others might enjoy. December's read is Ring Shout by P. Jelie Clark. Spoiler alert, we usually end up discussing endings and key plot points. And just as a reminder for our listeners that this podcast is going to shift a little bit in 2023 and look a little different, but please feel free to keep coming back for those new episodes as they air. I'm Amy, and joining me today is Emily, Family Services Librarian at North Liberty Library. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, everyone. So I chose this book because it was a novella and I really wanted to like mix it up a little bit. Something that I feel like doesn't happen a whole lot in that horror novella. Mm -hmm. And for those at home, just a brief kind of recap or summary of what this book is about. It focuses on a time period not too far behind us, as well as one that takes place in a slightly different universe. Yes, alternate time period. Yes, definitely. Alternate timeline. Yes. Right? Is that the technical term? Maybe. <laughs> this is a sci-fi term, I feel like. Yeah. Which horror often, you know, intersects with fantasy as well as sci-fi, I feel like. But anyway, so it takes place, I think, around the 1920s or 30s. Yeah. I was thinking it was like after the First World War, but yeah. before the Depression. Yes. That was kind of the general timeline that I got as well. Mm-hmm. And it kind of focuses on these monsters that are seen by some but not all and these group of I think all entirely women yeah. who are fighting them yep and these monsters are known as Ku Kluxes and it is very much based off of the white supremacist movement and specifically even more deeply kind of taken out of the movie The Birth of a Nation mm-hmm. and how that affected this alternate timeline yeah like drag impacts from it yeah So there are a lot of historical references in here that actually match up with our own timeline, which is really interesting. They, like, anchor it, I feel like. Yes. Makes it feel that much more horrific. Yeah, and real. Yeah. And And similar. Yes. And our main character is Myrice, I believe is how that's pronounced. Yeah. And we kind of follow her and her journey And we kind of see her struggle with hate and fear as well, which is kind of what feeds these monsters that are coming into the world. Yeah. So what were your initial impressions? I really liked it for some of the same reasons that you had mentioned. One, because it was so short. And two, because it was such a familiar landscape. And then I really like zombie stuff in general. So these Ku Kluxes were kind of like very zombie-esque. They are able to kind of blend in with regular Ku Klux members, and then they just kind of go off the rails if they smell like food or smell someone that they can attack or something dead, I think, because they use some carcasses for bait to try to trap them. So I like those kind of things in general. I really liked the way it was told. The writing I thought was different, and it had a lot of different elements of it that I'm not used to in a lot of horror or fantasy things, mainly highlighting and focusing on like black culture, which I thought were really cool. Yes. So that initial scene that we get into in this book had a lot of those elements that you were just talking about. So we'll just jump in there because it was like you get thrown in and at first it's very confusing. It's a lot of dialogue. They're talking back and forth to each other and then you kind of figure out through context and then once some action starts happening that they're actively hunting a Ku Klux during like this march so there's a march happening and then they're trying to like weed out 
the Ku Kluxes from the rest of the like equally horrible, but actually just human people. Yes. Like you said, they use this dog carcass, which I was like, interesting choice for a dog carcass. And I went a lot of ways with like how he might have picked that. And there's one character who is described as yellow. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if it was a another reference to another very racist ideology that was held you know, by a lot of people, unfortunately, but specifically maybe attributed to Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. About, or even like Southern yes, people. Yeah. Yes. About anybody of Asian descent potentially eating dogs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was the author's intent, but that's kind of where I drew on that. I also thought of like yellow as in like being scared mm-hmm. of something, like a scaredy cat, yellow dog. So I made that connection. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting why they would have picked that. Maybe it just was like they needed something big to stick the bombs in. The characters amongst themselves are talking about why Ku Kluxes like dogs so much. Yeah, Like why they like dead dog. Well, or live dogs maybe. I don't know. Sorry for all the dog fans out there. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I'm also a dog lover. It was hard (laughs) to understand why they did this. But maybe that's, you know, another commentary on our like total unwillingness to see dogs hurt in films and movies and literature and then you know there's all this other death and whatnot happening and it's not affecting some people as we're desensitized to it yes yeah Yeah. absolutely like when it comes to an animal yeah we're like whoa 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 yeah (laughs) that's too far buddy (laughs) right we're too far there but yeah there are some graphic scenes in it and he does such a great job of describing everything that yeah. that may bother some people so if that is something that affects you you might this might not be the thing for you. Yeah. But. Yeah, if you're not a fan of horror like <laughs> then don't read this cuz it's yes. definitely gory and yes there's definitely some body horror in this yes. too yes. so which you were talking about the Ku Kluxes and that's another part of the description where he did so amazing like it felt like I was standing across from one, and yeah. I was just like, oh, my gosh. You could really see it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was like, yeah. all these mouths all over their body, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, pretty intense storytelling, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. overall. He really does a deep dive on those, which is interesting for a novella also, because you have such a short amount of time that in order for him to tell the really comprehensive story that he did, along with all of the detail that he put into everything, was really amazing yeah perfect word choice mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah compound, very concise yes concise yeah. sentences that really give you good description of what's happening yeah and even just yeah the way he was able to introduce the characters in such an mm-hmm. in-depth way in such a short novel like i really felt i had a kind of decent grasp of may reese mm-hmm. and her relationships with the people around her yeah. and like her boyfriend mm-hmm. question mark yeah this person the that she sees French, Frenchie yeah yeah <laughs> George George yeah. yeah that sounds right yeah, yeah this person that she sees <laughs> this person that she chooses to spend time with yeah when she's not out in the evenings <laughs> yeah when she's not out hunting and doing other and also gallivanting work. like around the county right or around the like the country a couple of states because she would say that she'd have to go on the road for like weeks at a time and yeah and so Maryse is one of these people, like I said, maybe in the summary, that she has the ability to see these Ku Kluxes, and not everybody does. To a lot of people, they look like regular people. Mm-hmm. So it's not just everybody running around constantly in 
panic mode because there are these monsters. Right. Most people don't know that they are there. Yeah. The way she kind of gets to where she's at in the story is, I guess, she is called to this perfect this. Yeah, I think profession. profession. I like that. Yeah. 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 By her kind purpose. of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, by someone called Nana Jean, I believe, is that. I think that's who Mm -hmm. it is, who does the actual calling. And this person is kind of like a pillar in the community of women who do this work. But also, I would be interested in knowing more about her. I don't think we got a whole lot into her. Like, she's a witch, right? Yes. They call her a Gullah woman, but they also refer to her as a witch. Yes. And it was by happenstance that Maurice found her, right? Because... She thought it was by happenstance. But she was calling her. Yeah. I think she was kind of unaware that she was being called. So it wasn't that she was hearing. And that's the other thing that kind of... So there was definitely that fantastical element a lot when it had to do with how she has these amazing abilities. Mm -hmm. Because she can also pull a sword from like out of the like magical realm. So she doesn't always have the sword like physically on her, but when she wants it or when she's in danger, she can pull it out and she'll have it in her hand and then she's able to kill or use it to protect herself or to defend herself and then also to light her way in like mm-hmm. dark times because it lights up. So yeah, there's like other magical elements of it that sometimes are not explained in depth. But yeah. you're just like, okay, well, you're dropped in the middle of the story and just, she's like, oh, and hey, by the way, I can just call the sword. And you just kind of have to be like, okay, cool, let's keep going with that. And the sword is even more special because it's powered by somehow magically, again, by these past ancestors mm-hmm. of the black community and everybody who has had to go through these trials and live with what is happening in their world. Mm-hmm. So that is really interesting. Like, basically, it's her community and support system shining through to help defend her. Right, which is really cool. That's just something that I feel lots of cultures have, but American culture in general just does not have that kind of like backing. If you look at Latin culture or indigenous cultures or African cultures, Asian cultures, like they all kind of have this very deep ancestral, I don't want to say worship, but that's what it is, support system behind them. And Yeah, I thought that was a really cool way to make that tangible for her. And jumping off of that, like you said, yeah, just the very American belief of, right, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, Mm -hmm. doing it yourself, going solo. Yeah. Like individuality above everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that really made me think about this in terms of what that looks like as like the amount of culture shock that people in that respect Mm -hmm. like I've thought about culture shock in other respects before but I never really thought about it like that here in America where that familial and community support isn't always ingrained in Mm -hmm. culture and how alone and isolating that is and thinking about how that reflects on our current yeah, culture situation. How things are turning around here in America. It's so much easier to see everyone else as an other if they don't have every single thing is the same. If there are differences that you have, it's so much easier to not take them into consideration or hate them because you just don't understand where they're coming from. If you lived in a more family and community-based culture, you would understand that like it takes everyone to make it work. Yeah, and I think that that 
whole thing just kind of tied into like the level of writing that he brings to this and the level of thought that like went into this and I'm just so excited to like read other things by him me too I don't know if this is the only novella he's done but I'd be really interested to see if he does have other novellas and whatnot because I thought this was a great form for him I'm sure he does great in his larger in his larger (laughs) his novels Yes. yes I think this too he obviously left open for like if he wanted to continue the story he could because again a spoiler alert not everyone dies so there are people left at the end to carry it on which I thought would be really cool if he visited this timeline and these people again to see where they were in a few years down the road. I thought it would be cool. But maybe the story's done and maybe this is all we get from this specific yeah. like main character. Yeah. Or even something like the River of Teeth novella series mm-hmm. where there are main characters but yeah, even just doing maybe like one other one. Like, yeah. It wouldn't have to be like a whole world building thing. But yeah, I would love to see. Maybe she would like just that. pop into that next one so you could know like a little bit about like what was going on with her and Frenchie or the Gullah Gullah woman. Yeah, there were just so many twists and turns. Like, and I'm just going to sound like a fangirl. Like, just <laughs> <laughs> again, like there's a scene where the main character goes into this butcher shop. Ugh, it's one of my worst. I really liked it, but I liked it less than I liked the dog carcass part. Like, it was just, like, turns my stomach. Yeah. So you find out kind of later through this little speech that the main villain gives <laughs> that this scene is particularly gruesome. Like, you could tell it was kind of horror-esque in the moment, but I feel like once you knew what was happening in the mm-hmm. background of it, it was so much worse. But where she is talking with one of the main villains of that's another thing there's like four main villains yeah (laughs) there was a lot going on which is you know accurate i think in a lot of ways but this one in particular was like the owner of or at least masked as the owner of this butcher shop that only fed white people and like was particularly espousive of Christian views. Mm -hmm. And the owner's name was William Joseph Simmons. So for those who may know that historical reference, he was a well-known leader of the Ku Klux Klan. And so he's sitting there talking with our main character about trying to get her to join their side. Yeah. Which is a very interesting conversation when you first jump into that point and you're like, what? Well, because it stems from... He needs her to, like, do their work for them. It's very, like, enlightening, I think, for her because she is, like, my whole life has been kind of orchestrated to be this person that I am, angry, out for vengeance, you know, doing these things that she thought was good but may be now. It's like, what's that saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Mm -hmm. And so then I was just, like, blown away by that kind of idea and then from where she needed to go and the choices that she needed to make from there. Cause is there a good choice after that? Right. She quits. That's a bad choice. She keeps going. That's a bad choice. Like it's 
double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. How does she keep her morality, Mm -hmm. her personhood, and continuing to do this work of defeating these clue cluxes that is necessary and that is good work, but how does she keep that from destroying herself? Yeah. Which was super poignant and like gave me chills as I was like reading that. It was definitely like a jaw dropping moment. Yes. Again, just like all the moments that he weaves in there to Mm -hmm. make it very realistic and very in touch with humans. When in a sense, there are a lot of horror out there that you know it just goes the opposite route that's not what it generally does necessarily so i thought that this was a really interesting take on that genre and just really well done i agree it was so much more packed with social commentary than most horror books are i think there's some there's always kind of like current and past social commentary with writers just because they're human and they're putting their thoughts and views and opinions into what they're writing. But this was like purposeful talking about white supremacy and like you said, like necessary evils and what's the difference between doing something because you know it's right, even though it may be bad or doing something bad because it makes you feel good, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of it. There was another point in the book that really kind of made me wonder about the author's intentions as far as like what the thought process was behind the character choice of her even having like somebody that she connected to. Oh, yeah. And I don't know the answer to that, but it seemed like it just kind of made her a little more emotionally connected maybe because she does seem very distant as a person. Yeah. Um, I was curious as your thoughts on George and their relationship obviously i liked it because i was like oh a cute french bar owner that just really lets you kind of do what you want and is just there for you to like hang out with and be your friend and be more if you want it that's ideal i did think that it did soften her she's obviously emotionally closed off for a lot of reasons the childhood trauma that she had and then the day-to-day trauma that she has too like regardless if you are doing a good thing or not if you are engaging in killing for your job that's going to be hard on you so i really did like that and i liked the location and the time period and all of the things that went along with that like the music and the dancing and you think about the historical significance of like the back woods jukeboxes and all those things and then obviously i thought it was a great location for there to be some more trauma for her to happen. Like that was another bad for her, good for the reader, place for, you know, something to happen and her to kind of, what do you call it? There was some reconciliation with characters in that part. And there was some other like magical things that happened that I thought was cool. So would she have been there necessarily without this person that she connects with? Probably not. Like, why would she go to something like this? There is a little bit of me that's like, why does a woman have to have that? I kind of thought about it a little bit, thinking about like other kind of iconic horror characters, Mm -hmm. because like horror is my genre. That's what I like the most. I think fantasy is probably a close second now as I get older, but I think that it twinged me like, why does a lady need to have someone to soften her? Like that's some patriarchal BS. But then I thought about it and I was like, I think it's okay, actually. I think they do that a lot more and maybe I just wasn't paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. And I think it happens a lot more in horror novels than we highlight, right? And so I thought, okay, it's fine, I guess. You're right, because if it was just like a friend and there was no like romantic energy or anything, it probably wouldn't have the same pull at the end. Yeah. 
unfortunately for the character, like I don't think most people would believe that as readily as it would feel because of that like romantic connection there. I also like there's a little bit of hope for her at the end. Like if she chose to not do this anymore, there's someone for her that if that's the life she wanted, she could go and have that life. Like she could be like a small business owner and have a family if that's what she chose. And so there is some like redemption hope. Will she take it? My guess would be probably not, but it would be a possibility. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like. Horror being my favorite genre, my favorite ending to a book is a nice tidy bow. Everything's (laughs) tied up nicely, which is weird. It's a very weird dichotomy for me, but it's nice to have that possibility there. Like, oh, if she gets tired of, you know, zombie hunting, Mm -hmm. she could go back and just not do that anymore. Yeah. Because there is definitely a feel to it that she couldn't do both at the same time. Oh, totally. And she's almost trying to a little bit Mm -hmm. in the end. Like, she's trying to kind of walk a line of, like, she still does it, and it seems like it's still a full-time work for her, essentially. But, like, she is, it sounds like, still trying to stay in closer touch with humanity in Mm -hmm. a way, rather than just focusing so much on the hate, the evil, these monsters that are coming through into our world. So it does feel like she's trying for that, but we do get the sense, I feel like, that it's not something that can be balanced in into eternity. Right, you can't sustain it. Yeah, sustainability. Yeah. Which, then I took that as like a runoff of, oh, you know, commentary on expectations for females in society, of course. Totally, yeah. When I was listening to this and thinking about it, I wasn't taking notes, but like, could like Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter, could he also be president and be a family man? Like, no one's going to question that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but can she do the same thing? Oh, there's a little bit of doubt there. Right. Like, can't sustain that. Mm -hmm. Also, like, that kind of goes into a little bit of, like, a male writing a female character. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a little bit of disconnect there. Like, no matter what. Like, I just think the same thing for a woman trying to write in a male, like, character. It's a little bit of disconnect. You're not fully that person. Yeah. I'm not saying he did a bad job. He did an amazing job, but that's just like, as a woman, yeah, you can kind of think about those kind of things, right? Exactly. And then, yeah, of course, the framework of this all is happening in a very patriarchal society, so it's just another reflection of that. Which is interesting that he's also French, right? Mm -hmm. You can put like an American person who was raised in a white community or an African-American community, and they couldn't put that person in there to have this kind of like laissez-faire attitude about traditional male and female roles in society and, you know, that kind of thing. It had to be like a foreign ideal come in and kind of do that. Like you said, kind of that different background Mm -hmm. helped support their relationship status, especially at this time. Yeah. And kind of make that like, okay, yeah, that could actually be a real thing. Yeah. And he would actually be somebody that could handle that potentially. Right. Yes. So yeah, all those dynamics were really interesting. So I'm going to jump back because we were talking about like all the different bad guys in this series. And for anybody who is needing clarification, Emily and I were sitting here before recording this trying to like parse out who was who. And Emily did a great job. I was like trying to find all these analogies. She did an amazing job. But the Night Doctors, for anybody who has previously read this, we determined are some type of deity, potentially. Yes. Yeah. Along with Mary Reese's 
aunties, aunties who kind of guide her and who she can go and visit from time to time, mm-hmm. although only during certain times or something. Can I, they only call her? That might be yeah. it. So she can go visit different realms yeah. within that timeline. And then the kind of big bad of the book. So like the big nasty? Yeah. Thing? Like, <laughs> so it's like a leviathan that comes in that's like a creature that has no real brain activity. They just want to feed off of hate. And so if you look at it, like the Ku Kluxes are demons and the night doctors and the aunties are the gods or the deities, then this thing is just a mindless apparition from another realm that wants to come in and just feed off of everything in the world and wants to create chaos is kind of how I saw it. Yeah, which was very helpful for me because I was kind of like, oh, are these also gods? Like, I was super confused for a little bit there. Um, <laughs> Who is the god of all the gods? Yeah, when they're doing this ritual to, like, bring this thing into the world. And I was also, like, having flashbacks of, like, Ghostbusters and, like, there <laughs> yes. was a lot of things yes. happening. <laughs> totally. There's yeah. a lot of things happening in my brain during that scene but I think Emily did a good job of kind of summing up what that kind of is but yeah overall just lots of good horror content for you horror fans out Mm -hmm. there and anybody who wants to like dig deeper into this there's tons for that too yeah and it's really short so if you're like I don't really like horror because they're usually a thousand pages this is quick maybe you're more like historical fiction and that is very much this book too and so it's like Amy said a very good getting your toes wet kind of horror novel. Absolutely. Less than 200 pages. Very doable. Mm -hmm. But I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Emily, did you have any recommendations for other books? I sure do. I'm reading this book called The Getaway by Lamar Giles right now. And disclaimer, I've not finished it yet. And it's a YA. And for all those adult readers out there, I am not usually a YA fan. I do like some things, but I feel like the teenage angst kind of gets to me after a while. I read one or two Hunger Games and I'm like, okay, I'm done with that. Um, But there are some very specific teen authors that I like to read and I think do a really good job. This has been far and away one of the best books I've read in the last couple of months. It takes speculative fiction, which in this specific book, it's like apocalyptic stuff. And again, social commentary about classism and racism and financial wealth and climate change and food insecurities and governmental uprisings or upheavals and kind of all puts it into this one specific county. I think it's Colorado, but they never kind of come out and say in America. And I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it's a quick read. It's good. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens at the end. I liked it a lot. For anyone who is kind of just regular fiction, I read Woman of Light by Kali, sorry, I'm going to probably mispronounce it, Woman of Light by Kali Fajarjo Anstein. I thought that was a really good book. It was about an indigenous woman and her upbringing and life in southwestern America and then northwestern Mexico as well. And I thought it was really, really good. That's awesome. I don't have a whole lot to recommend this month, but I will encourage folks to check out How High We Go in the Dark by Sequoia Nagamatsu. It's pretty great. A lot of people have compared it to like Station Eleven. It's kind of more sci-fi fantasy. It takes place in the future. 
but highly recommend. It's also the Owl Iowa Reads for 2023, so I'm sure we'll talk about it in the future. I'm putting that on my hold list right now. Speaking of that, uh, if people out there have HBO Go, Station Eleven, they did a limited, I want to say it was 10 episodes series based on the book Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And it was really, really, really good, too. They did a great job, I thought. I love the crossover recommendation. Well, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed Bring Shout, be sure to check out those recs as well. I'll be back in 2023. I'm not sure when yet, unfortunately, since we're kind of tweaking the podcast. But I will be back, and we hope you'll join us again. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, everyone.